0: But first, last week, a federal judge in Texas ruled that Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, is illegal, saying it was essentially an overstep of power and authority when former President Barack Obama created the program back in 2012. Now, this ruling is likely to make its way up to the Supreme Court, leaving the future of the program and DACA recipients, also known as DREAMers, up in the air. Now, in a few minutes, we will check in with two people who will ultimately be impacted by any changes, Dreamers themselves. But first, we are joined by Vanessa Esparza-Lopez, who's managing attorney at the National Immigrant Justice Center, to get some more details behind this battle and DACA itself. Welcome, Vanessa. Good to see you. Thank you so much. Your reaction, first of all, to this ruling?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it was definitely an expected ruling given the the circuit or the, the court... Um, that was issuing this this ruling, right? But nevertheless, it, it threatens the livelihoods of hundreds of thousands of DACA recipients. And tell me what
0: you mean when you say that. You say, given the court that was uh, presiding over this, you you expected it.
1: We expected it, right? It's it, the the lawsuit was filed um, by Texas and eight other states um, in a very conservative district court in Texas, right? So we expected this ruling because the judge who issued the or the order um, has issued similar orders in the past, right? Um, but just Judge to reiterate. Haynan. Judge Andrew Haynan. Exactly right. But just to reiterate this, while we expected it, it, it still, you know, ultimately it threatens the lives of, of DACA recipients, their communities, their families, everyone.
0: Before we get any further, I want to make sure everyone's on the same page. So I will get you to tell us more about the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program.
1: Sure, absolutely. So DACA or Deferred Childhood um Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals was initiated under the Obama administration in 2012, right? And so this program has been going on for more than 10 years now. Um, Currently, there's about half a million active DACA recipients across the United States. And we have to remember that um, people have been benefiting from this program over 10 years. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the older DACA recipients being in their early 40s now. So these are individuals who have now even deeper roots in these communities. They are they are, you know, they have their own families now. They are homeowners. They are employees.
0: They were brought here as children to exactly. the United States.
1: Exactly. Right? And many don't have memories of their home country because this is the only country that they've ever known, right? Um, so DACA has provided, you know, better employment opportunities for individuals, um, access to continue their education if that's what they decide, mm-hmm. right? Uh, whatever it just provided a sense of safety for individuals, but that sense of safety has really been in limbo since 2017, and that's when the Trump administration
0: first announced that it was going to rescind the DACA program. yeah, Tell us more about the dreamers themselves. who are they? Where are they from? generally everywhere,
1: right? Um I mean, if we look at the statistics, the majority of DACA recipients are from Mexico, but it's they're not only from Mexico, they're from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Right, and and their age ranges right from their early twenties to, like I mentioned, early forties. We have to remember as well that because of the ongoing litigation, there has been many individuals who have would have aged into the program but weren't able to
0: to apply for for DACA and yeah. benefit from it. And you said about six hundred thousand or so currently have. DACA status. Correct, correct? about
1: 500, 580,000. And in Illinois, that number is around 31,000 individuals who benefit from DACA currently.
0: So why is DACA being deemed illegal? I mean, what have, what have been the big arguments against this program?
1: Right. So Texas and the other states, uh, the eight other states joining in this litigation are arguing that the Obama administration and now the Biden administration overstepped their reach as an executive authority in implementing the DACA program. They are arguing that such a program would have had to been initiated or or put through, implemented by Congress. Um, However, the Obama administration and Biden administration are arguing that it is within their power as the executive to exercise prosecutorial discretion um, and that—that's—that's that's an authority that all executives have. Um, so that's been the contention, and Texas and the other states are arguing that they have the ability to sue the government because they are being harmed by undocumented individuals um, taking, a, you know, advantage of certain government services within their states, like mm-hmm. having to issue driver's licenses to DACA recipients or having DACA recipients go to schools in their states, et cetera.
0: Mm. Now, back in 2021, the Biden administration initiated a so-called rulemaking procedure uh, to strengthen DACA's legal standing. Can you just um, explain what that is and and what the Biden administration was trying to do? Sure. So
1: initially under Obama, the DACA program was implemented through a policy memo. And so through the rulemaking process, the Biden administration was trying to put the DACA program on stronger legal footing um, to make it, you know, kind of— not undergo the legal scrutiny that it has been undergoing. So that final rule was published in
0: 2022.
1: Mm -hmm. And Judge Hannon had issued a decision in 2021 where he found that DACA program through the policy memo was illegal, right? That was appealed to the Fifth Circuit, and the Fifth Circuit agreed with Judge Hannon, but then sent it back to him to take into consideration the now implemented DACA regulation, so this most recent decision that came out last week was Judge Hannon saying, OK, now the DACA program implemented through the regulation, not the policy memo, the regulation is still illegal. Judge Hannon found that the regulation didn't um, you know, alleviate or remedy the, the substantive defects that he and the Fifth Circuit have found mm-hmm. in the 2012 DACA memo.
0: I do want to bring in a couple other voices to this conversation to join us right now. Artists and poets Studi Sharma and Erendera Rendon of the Resurrection Project are dreamers and recipients of DACA protections. Thank you so much for being here with us.
2: Thank you for having having
0: us. us. So first off, Studi and Eri, um, what is going through your mind after hearing this news? You first, Studi.
2: Um, I think I expected it. Um, In a lot of ways, I resist the dreamer narrative because it exceptionalizes DACA recipients in favor of other undocumented immigrants. And so that is usually who I'm thinking about most of the time is who do I have to protect? Thankfully, everybody I have to protect is now protected. Um, So I think this is the first time this has happened historically where I can think about myself. So I've just been thinking about myself and ways to take care of myself, ways to be radical. Joy is radical. Being a goofy person who tells jokes is radical. And I'm going to keep on being that. What about you Ed
3: Yeah, I think similar to um, you know what Vanessa said as well was we expected this ruling, given that um, you know, yeah, there was no surprises around yeah, the table given that who it was right um, in terms of the judge um, and you know it's just more um, I think more ammunition for for us to continue to be advocates and continue to make sure that Illinois becomes the most welcoming state in um, in the country um, and that we continue to advocate for bold. Um, you know, bold policies that the Biden administration can take, because even though this has been in, you know, up and downs in terms of, you know, what the rulings are, it has meant and it's transformed the lives of, you know, 800,000 folks who have at some point had DACA. There's always
0: been, uh, you know, this sense of uncertainty when it comes to this program. And I say this as an immigrant myself, right? Um, how does that uncertainty make you feel, Sudi?
2: Uh, It definitely has affected a lot of how I saw stability growing up. You know, Um, I was always uncertain about whether I would be able to go to school, whether I would be able to fall in love and get married, whether I would be able to um, build something that lasts. But in many ways, I think I'm protected by my community and I have such strong bonds that I can't let let a fickle court choose my stability. I have to build that stability for myself.
0: And I can't even take what you just said lightly, like whether I... Can fall in love,
2: right? <laughs> it's wild. It's wild. It, it it's, it's so personal, you know. And some, and that
0: decision is in someone else's hands. Yeah. Ere.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think for undocumented immigrants, it's always um, a challenge to live in the U.S. Um, it used to be, right, that we would get uh, pulled over and get arrested because we didn't have driver's licenses, and we've been able to change those laws here locally. Um, it's meant, you know, for many of our parents, you know, navigating how to be able to become homeowners, how to be able to, then eventually for us to, like, how to be able to rent an apartment without a social security number, how to make a living without um, all of those documentations that you need. DACA has made it extremely um Better for us. Um, And, you know, we believe that everybody should have that opportunity to be able to just make a living, to be able to do the basic things like fall in love, like buy a home, like, um, you know, be able to think about your career. Um, you know, what's for your me, experience DACA, been with DACA? Yeah, for me, DACA really got me to think about a career. I was able to go to, I went to college before DACA and I got DACA when I was 26. Um, but before that, you know, it was, I was working um, as consultants where I could. Um, I was thinking about how to make, you know, day to day happen. And post DACA, I was able to think about my career and what I wanted to do for a living, yeah. um, you know, buy a home, help my parents. Um, you know, we bought a building so that we could have some more income for my parents as they're aging and are still undocumented and aren't going to have any kind of safety net available to them. Um, And so we want to make sure for us that uh, more people get the opportunity to experience what it's like to be able to have a work permit and that social security number and the ability to stay um, and thrive in the U.S. You're nodding, Studi. Has your experience been it's similar in a
0: sense?
2: Yeah, yeah, I resonate with a lot of what Eres said. I think I was um, a little bit more, I, I benefited from a lot of like, older DACA recipients who've been advocating for a long time because I got DACA when I was 16. So I got very lucky. in well, that. You were young. A lot of my um, life I was able to drive quickly. I was able to see college as an opportunity and um, it definitely, I definitely, I saw my older siblings, my older sibling go through a lot of road blockages and a lot of like Depression in terms of like, can I even go forward in life? What, what? How can I even make a living? I think for me, as I became a community organizer, I became concerned with um, creating th- those safety nets for the people I knew who did not have those safety nets. And um, I'm I'm very much an optimist. I I'm proud of community organizing in Chicago. We've created those safety nets. We, especially undocumented, Twitter is a force. We've protested people from being detained. We've gotten them to stay, and I'm proud of that. Yeah.
0: Vanessa judge Hanen's ruling it does not mean an immediate end to the program but yeah. is is that the goal though
1: Unfortunately, that is likely going to be the end at some point. Um, So they're trying
0: to shut it down. For sure.
1: So Judge Hannon, he basically stopped the Biden administration from implementing the DACA regulation to the fullest extent, with exception to current DACA recipients. So individuals that currently have DACA that are are still going to be able to renew their DACA until the litigation ends or until some subsequent um, court, be it the Fifth Circuit or the Supreme Court, issues in order uh, to the contrary. So what we're likely seeing is, again, this is going to be appealed to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, another conservative circuit in the United States court system. Um, It's very likely, just given the track record of the Fifth Circuit, that they are going to affirm or agree with Judge Hannon's decision. And that sets up the fight with this U.S. Supreme Court. The important thing to note um, for current DACA recipients is, again, it's still Uh, The program is still valid as to them. They can continue to renew their benefits for everyone. It's so important to obtain a legal consultation, right? Uh, I know that I've screened uh, DACA recipients in the past and have found eligibility for other forms of relief. And for some reason or another, maybe they hadn't moved forward with that. I I encourage everyone that if there is some other um, eligibility for relief for them, to take the steps to pursue that given the the uncertainty with DACA.
0: Mm -hmm. So... I want to hear from from all three of you on this. Uh, what do you think most people? I, I mean, even if you think of the folks listening to us right now, what do they not get about DACA? You first, Eddie.
3: Um, well, you know, DACA is protection from deportation and work authorization. So it's fairly um, what we believe is completely within the jurisdiction of what the um, administration can do. Um, and so that's one. And the second is kind of the age that we are. Right. Um, I myself am thirty eight. Um, and um being you know growing up here and just establishing your entire life here um and we're not children and we really are just trying to make a living and really are just trying to have an impact in our communities if that's what we do mm-hmm. um and so you know making sure that folks know we're adults uh we grew up with uh we probably grew up with you um and um listened to wbz at the same time as you um so i think that um just just like everybody else um we're pretty um pretty standard in in our ages and what we do um at this age Stuti, um, yes,
2: I agree with everything that Eris said. Um, I also think that something people don't realize about DACA is, I, I think, back to the, the struggle that it puts onto folks to have to prove their worth to have to, in the smallest ways, whether it comes to can I drive, can I fall in love, can I do these things, um, and the forms of. I think something people don't realize is that there's no path to a green card with DACA. There's no, you're essentially and I've. To be honest, I have never quite feared the work permits being taken away because the country wants us to work. That's the history of immigration. They want us to work, whether it's under the table, whether it's legalize this helped us legalize it, this helped us get rights. But they want us to work. So mm-hmm. livelihood is always gonna make there. But in terms of like one of my favorite poets, Javier Zamora, wrote an essay about him he wrote a book about his studies from when he came to from El Salvador and he came under an asylum status and was essentially undocumented. And he was not able to have this book in the Pulitzer because the Pulitzer has a citizenship requirement. He wrote the op ed the Pulitzer pulled the op- the citizenship requirement. But One of the things Mm -hmm. that he mentioned was that in order to get legalization, he had to get an Einstein visa. And that is an exceptional, like you have to be an exceptional immigrant. You have to, Mm -hmm. and that already feeds into the system. I have to be better than you. I have. Mm -hmm. So folks that are right now sleeping in police districts, why do I have to prove that I'm better than them? Why do I have to prove my humanity more than them? They deserve as much right as me as a DACA recipient. Vanessa.
1: I mean, my co-panelists said it so well, right? I, I just want to reiterate what they said. Um, But, you know, again, DACA recipients are our friends, they're our family members, they're your colleagues, they're your friends. Um, So getting rid of this program just pushes people back into the informal economy. It puts people at risk of losing their mortgages for the homes that they have invested in. It has repercussions, um, not only for the DACA recipients themselves, but families, community members, employers this there's such a reliance uh for, for from daca recipients on this program that really congress needs to step in and, and fix it but not at the cost of other undocumented individuals
0: i want to clarify too that current recipients will be allowed to keep and renew protections
1: correct for so how long that's unknown right it's it's unknown so if you are eligible to renew your daca please renew it
0: wow um have you connected with you know folks in the community, Suti, uh, about the decision? Like, what are they saying?
2: Yeah, um, a lot of my community, my undocumented community, has been pretty unsurprised. Like a lot of my co-panelists have said, yeah. we've been expecting it. I think most of all, we're talking about um, this is really similar to like you know when Roe v. Wade got overpassed, people were saying, talk to abortion rights organizers because they have been building networks of safety. We've been building networks of safety, so I think that we we're, work- we're working on that.
0: Are more people turning to you for answers, Vanessa?
1: No, not necessarily, because, again, this is just more of the same. They knew it was coming. They knew it was coming. So I may get an email here or there, but mostly, you know, um, people expected this.
0: And it seems like some lawyers are arguing that, you know, one way to save the program is to to cut the part of the program that would give work authorization uh, to DREAMers. What do you think about that?
1: That is an argument that has been put forth, but again, as it it has described in my other co-panels, has described the work permit is such an essential portion of DACA, um, and if you strip that away, it it strips a lot of the uh, safety that people have been able to build for themselves over the years. Yeah.
0: What are you hearing from the community, Eri?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the most heartbreaking part is that there's about... um, well, one, there's about 11 million undocumented folks, right? And only 580 of us, 580,000 of us have DACA. But even within the DREAMer populations, there's about 2.7 million um, DREAMers um, and who do not have DACA. And so the longer that this plays out, um, the longer it is that those folks cannot apply. Um, and so I think that that's what's really heartbreaking. I think the number one question is, does this mean that they're, you know, what does this mean for the folks that haven't applied in terms of being able to, when can they start applying um, and so I think that that's what's difficult is that now you have folks where maybe the older sibling has DACA and maybe the younger sibling doesn't because mm-hmm. they closed too soon. Um, and so I think that those are those are very heartbreaking conversations to have. Um, we were just looking at the number and about 98,000 folks graduate from high school every year who are undocumented. And for those folks, there's no program for them. Um, so we want to make sure that, you know, we extend, we continue to extend the opportunity for work permits for all of our community.
0: Yeah, I mean... The average age, as you've pointed out, you know, the average age of a DACA recipient is 21. Um, Many dreamers, they've got families, they've got full careers, they've got homes, they've finished college, they're doing so many things, they're owning, you know, property. Before we let you all go, I mean, what message do you give to the other dreamers listening right now?
3: Yeah. First, I just want to clarify that the youngest dreamers, the youngest ABA recipients, are actually 21. Um, our average is closer to, I believe, about 28 now. Okay. Um, the um, yeah, and the message is you. We have to organize. We have to continue to make sure that we are expanding every single policy possible to make our lives better. Um, you know, in-state tuition, like we did, uh, like like you know, organizations one um, back in 2003 is what allowed me to go to college. Um, We need to make sure that we're advocating to expand health care through the Healthy Illinois campaign because the next expansion would be for this population, folks under the age of 42. Um, You know, we need to make sure um, that we are advocating at the federal level for the Biden administration to extend parole Mm -hmm. um, like he's done for over 500,000 folks in the last two years to folks like our parents. And so we need to continue to organize and advocate. Yeah, Your message to dreamers, Duty?
2: Yeah, um, I have a few thoughts. Um, one is take care of your wellness to all undocumented folks. Take Look, let people love on you. Um, take care of your joy. One is you need to like listen to immigration activists, listen to folks. Um, like, like we've said, Biden needs to do something. Um, the Obama admin for a long time acted like nothing could be done, and then something was done, so they can do something. Um, I think that something that is very important is, like, know who you are as a DACA per- person. You know, we're all, a lot of us are pushed into organizing because we have to. Um, and for me, I had to because it was how I had to empower myself and my community. But like at the end of the day, I'm I'm a goofy person who likes to make jokes. I, I, one of my goals is to pop an ollie on a skateboard, you know. Um, <laughs> and I think that, also, this is very connected to what is happening with migrant folks right now. One of my friends, Pooj Ravindran, who works for Alderman Vas- Vasquez, created a database with all the information aldermans get to provide transparency around care for migrants. It's called welcometochicago.org. Um, this is like important to consider when you're like, there's surveillance and then there's documentation to mark that you are here, right? DACA does both t- to us. Um, get talking to other immigration activists. Get involved. Listen to other folks who are in asylum status, like who are undocumented. Yeah. Um, and I think that especially youth who are going through this right now, I know that there's no way I'm not be like turn your grief into art. That's don't do it for people's consumption, but art is powerful. So if you want to write, if you want to paint, if you want to make music, do it because you need to do that for yourself. To yeah. remember that you're here. You need an
0: outlet, yeah. And we'll leave it with you, Vanessa.
2: Yeah, I mean, I echo those sentiments,
1: and and again, just you know, encouraging folks to get that legal consultation if they have not done so already. Or if they had one in the past, but something in their life has changed, they've been they've gotten married now. They, you know, life's changed, policies change. So get that legal consultation, and if you are eligible for something other than DACA, take steps to to work towards that.
0: We've been talking with Vanessa Esparza Lopez, managing attorney at the National Immigrant Justice Center, Erin who's vice president of immigrant justice at the Resurrection Project, and Studi Sharma, who's an immigrant artist, stand-up comic and poet based here in Chicago. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you.